1: Hi, this is
2: Bennett Kelly. Thanks for listening to Cyberlaw and Business Report. Before you take a recess to hear the latest internet law news and commentary, you are hereby ordered to download the WebmasterRadio.fm mobile app for iPhone and Android. Okay, maybe not ordered, but why not? You can listen live to my show and all our show hosts every day on our live stream or download past episodes with ease. So download the WebmasterRadio.fm mobile app in the iTunes Store or in the Google Play Store. Good morning, and welcome to our final show of the year, and depending on the Mayan calendar, um, possibly ever, Um, but I hope you are well, Um, I'm This is Bennett Kelly talking to you from the Internet Law Center here in Santa Monica, in the heart of Silicon Beach. Um, We have a great show for you today. We're going to start off by talking about the debacle in Dubai. We have Jessica Wassman from Wassman Associates, who's going to give us a download on what happened there and uh, what it means. And then um, we're going to bring in um, some some alums. Um, Dan Heinen, and Brendan Christensen. We're going to talk about heroes and zeros um, for 2012. Are, are some of the people we thought uh, deserve some praise and some people who maybe not. Um, today is the birthday of Tim Reed, the Venus flytrap from um, the WKRP in Cincinnati. So as a, a radio person, I feel we, we must acknowledge that. But um, we do have a bit of news. And uh, you may remember this quote um, Robert Bork's America is a land in which women would be forced into back alley abortions, blacks would sit at segregated lunch counters, road police would break down citizens' doors in midnight raids, school children could not be taught about evolution, writers and artists could be censored at the whim of the government, and the doors of the federal courts would be shut on the fingers of millions of citizens. Um, that was one of the most famous lines Ted Kennedy ever delivered, and it was delivered minutes after um, President Reagan had announced um, Robert Bork's nomination for the Supreme Court and um, Bork was the last um, judge to be um, voted down for a nomination to the Supreme Court and um, that the process has um, left uh, scars on the political system and the, the process has changed um, because of that. Um, people are not as forthcoming as Bork was during those hearings but Robert Bork has died um, former federal judge and um, professor and um, leading conservative authority um, has died. And um, one other historical uh, note of prominence the um, Saturday, so called Saturday Night Massacre, where um, President Nixon tried to file, fire Archibald Cox, the uh, special prosecutor in Watergate, and uh, Attorney General Elliot Richardson refused and resigned in protest. And then um, his next in line in command also refused and resigned. And so there was a chain of three different um, Justice Department officials who resigned. Um, and the next one in line of authority was Robert Bork. And Robert Bork um, stayed and, and fired um, Archibald Cox and uh Everyone no one really faults him for that. Some have, but everyone thought that someone had to stay and run the justice department. He um, couldn't have everyone quit. So, um, but he did have that uh, role in that very historic night. So um, we have with us Jessica Wasserman, and Jessica's. Uh, I've known Jessica for 20 years from now. Um, she is with um, Wasserman Associates in D.C. Um, former Clinton administration official. Um, working in international trade in both the Agricultural and Commerce Department, and um, she has a, an interesting practice that um, involves g- counseling and governmental affairs, um, and she's going to give us the download on, on what exactly happened in Dubai last week. Jessica, are with us? I'm here. And it's always great to have you. Um, so there was a big briefing this morning where the U.S. ambassador tried to explain um, what what happened in Dubai? But let's start off with uh, last week. What, what was what was the WCIT?
4: Well, there's a lot of jargon in this area, Ben. But the the wicket, as they call it, it sounds like croquet or something, but it stands for World um, Conference on International Telecommunications. And so this uh, conference, which was really a negotiating session of the ITU, which is the International Telecommunications Union, which is part of the UN, Um, they had a big meeting in Dubai, um, which was really an updating of the uh, existing uh, treaty. And uh, I didn't understand this at first, but it was a pretty big deal because they actually did uh, negotiate a new treaty. But since... In the lead up to it uh, the u s got very concerned about it, but kind of at the last minute because of proposals that were made by Russia and China and some Mid East countries that uh, the u s felt would threaten the freedom of the internet and so the u s when there was a vote eighty nine voted for the treaty and fifty five against so, so that 's a pretty polarizing uh, Situation, I'd say.
2: So what does that mean? Does that mean that there actually is a treaty in place that will give the ITU some authority over the Internet? It's just it's not recognized by the leading Internet actors in some ways?
4: Well, um, you know, really what you have to remember is that this is – the Wicket and the ITU and stuff have been around for a really long time, like 100 years or something. But it's just on telecommunications typically, so – or really. And – so that was the us position that that they that the internet could not be included in this uh umbrella no way no how but they came to that only after uh these other countries refused to tone down what they were trying to do with regard to the internet but so the uh treaty the new as amended is in effect only for these 89 countries that signed it and then uh, for the other fifty-five, they're just bound by the the uh, old
2: treaty. So what this means then is that the kind of the pro-censorship regimes, you know, Russia, China, mm-hmm. and and some of the Middle East mm-hmm. countries are, are going to be able to invoke this treaty as authority for censoring the internet.
4: Yeah, but there's no enforcement. That's true. So it's it's kind of hard to decide whether it's a big deal or. Not such a big deal. <laughs>
2: and, and that was one of the comments I, I saw that in in the press was that is this really basically the the ITU um, you know, walking on the path towards irrelevancy, um, or as the Economist said, is this the beginning of a cyber cold war?
4: Yeah, well, maybe only time will tell. But it seems like a pretty polarized, weird situation. Um, the you know they meet again. Uh, annually i think and then you know have there's another big like plenipotentiary thing in two
2: years so in south korea right i believe yeah
4: exactly exactly and so you know i think that the u.s at least the um the ambassador that spoke this morning mr kramer um who is more of a businessman he just uh was appointed to this slot a couple months ago um or mid june maybe of this year and he's, you know, a Harvard Business School businessman who lives in San Francisco. So, anyway, um, the 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 everyone will work. I don't know whether Kramer will stay involved, but toward um, moving back toward consensus and so forth, undoubtedly. Um, well, for one thing, you know, as far as telecom is concerned, I think nobody, including the U.S., would want the ITU to die. Um, they just want to keep the Internet portions of it separate, um, at least until these guys change their tune. Um, And, you know, Kramer tries to make it all sound that there are a lot of positives out of this, that um, the U.S. had a 120-person delegation that included uh, lots of involvement by members of civil society and, um, you know, kind of the hope that we can democratize this whole thing. In the long term, so I don't know. I think it would be it'll kind of bumble along and
2: um. There's there's an interesting quote from Kieran McCarthy, who's the CEO of Dot Next, uh, you know, one of the um, internet um, e-zines. and uh, he said that um, after the end of the conference, he said, "In the end, the ITU and the conference um, chair having backed themselves to the edge of a cliff." dared governments, to push them off, they duly did. Without even peeking over, the crowd turned around and walked away. You know, in, in essence, suggesting that the ITU is really just walking is is on a path towards irrelevance.
4: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. because uh, you know, eighty nine countries signed it, fifty five didn't, but they are considering. It, it doesn't mean they they have some time frame in which to maybe change their mind or go back to capitals and get the go-ahead or something, but uh, I think in the end, you know, the ITU and the WIC and the whole system will will survive somehow or another. I mean, either they'll back away from the uh, more egregious, um, because you know what the U.S. is saying, these are serious concerns that we all need to engage in. Governments do have concern about spam and about security, and, you know, it's just a matter of, drawing the lines properly and discussing it properly and the u.s. wants to engage with developing countries on the broadband you know uh, infrastructure um, and you know new concepts of sharing or networking or something where competitors can work together to build out broadband in some areas um, and uh, so forth so uh, the u.s, you know, I think as sort of the leader of the fifty-five, um, is is not just slamming the door,
2: right? Now, now Jessica, I've you know I've known Jessica, for, I mentioned for twenty years, and there's a few people in Washington who seem who know like practically everyone, <laughs> and Jessica's one of them. It seems. And why don't you tell us a little about your practice?
4: Well, uh, as Bennett mentioned, it's always been focused on international. Uh, I went to the University of Michigan Law School and had a course with this guy, John Jackson, who was uh, the first person who talked about the World Trade Organization and kind of uh, educated people on it. And I got kind of hooked on on that. So this sort of thing, like the international negotiations, uh, no matter what the substantive uh, discussion may be, there are certain uh, paradigms that always maintain um, international negotiations. So I easily understand what's going on uh, in, this, in this context because uh, you always have, you know, the leader of the delegation and the various agencies and the role of civil society and kind of plays out um, in similar ways in, in many international negotiations. So my expertise is uh, agreements, usually trade agreements.
2: And then you've worked i mean you've worked everything from technology to agriculture, but it's it's interesting, you mentioned the role of civil society, this is the internet
4: yeah. <laughs>
2: this is the uncivil society,
4: <laughs> yeah, that term civil society oh, I don't know. But- it seems to be the uh, the accepted international term.
2: No, I, I understand what you mean, <laughs> and I think everyone of our listeners do as well. But, um, Jess, we only have a few minutes left. Any parting thoughts, or any, where, where should people find more information about you or your
4: firm? Uh, online. Um, I'm on LinkedIn. That's a good way to –
2: to talk to me, <laughs> Jessica Wasserman and the Wasserman Associates. And Jess, it's always been a pleasure. Have a happy holiday, and hopefully, we're still alive next week to celebrate the new year.
4: Oh, yeah, no, you
2: can't you can't uh, fold then, no way. Well, no, just with the Mayan calendar, countdown, any the world's. Posted. Oh, 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 that's, that's what
4: you're talking about. Yeah, no. oh, <laughs> oh,
2: this is not an online suicide note. No, don't worry. <laughs>
4: All right. See you next year then, for sure. All Bye. right.
2: Take care. Thank you very much, Jessica. Merry
4: Christmas, everybody.
2: Bye. Bye-bye. Um, so we're going to take a short break, but when we come back, we're going to have our annual um, Heroes and Zeros where we talk about um, people who did deserve some praise for 2012 and a few who maybe not so much. And after these messages, you're listening to Cyberlaw and Business Report.
3: Stay tuned for more of the Cyber Law and Business Report after this brief recess for our sponsors.
5: Building better search engine rankings takes the right formula. Tracking those rankings is super simple.
3: All you need is
5: authoritylabs.com. Try eBrands for 30 days. Go to eBrandsWithAZ.com or call 1-866-625-5717. That's eBrandsWithAZ for eBrands.
6: Hi, this is Glenn Engler, CEO of Digital Influence Group and your host on Market Edge, wishing you and yours a happy holiday, Merry Christmas, and a happy 2012.
5: From all
0: of us to all of you, webmasterradio.fm. Wishing you happy holidays and a prosperous new year.
3: The best gavel-to-gavel legal news and information on the net is right here. This is the Cyber Law and Business Report, only on WebmasterRadio.fm.
2: Brandy, are you there?
7: I'm here. Can you hear me?
2: Um, Yes, Um, and uh, I'm not sure. we had Dan yet?
6: Uh, yes, Ben, I'm here, but I have to say, it sounds a little bit like an acid flashback on my end.
2: Yeah. I, that, I'm going to look that up. Is that a good thing? Uh,
6: sometimes, but I'm not sure it's good for radio.
2: So, uh, I'll just say things like "Wow, man!" A, a bunch, but, um, let's see if we can try to correct that, uh, while we start maybe with Brenda. Uh, Brenda, why don't you just give me a brief intro of what you what you're doing
7: now? Um, well, I'm a public relations director for Nimble. Um, everybody go to www.nimble.com. See? Doing my PR job. Anyway, um, just really got my whole uh, my around the tech scene this year. I was happy to speak at The Economist in June on big data. And uh, it just seems like everything's converging this year. And i uh, really looking forward to discussing with you and Dan, the heroes and zeroes. At the
2: end of 2012. Well, it's interesting you mention uh, ah. you know, big data because um, you know the FTC has just announced that it is um, sent a whole uh, bunch of information requests to all the um, leading big data providers. So um, I think you know big data is going to be big on the agenda in 2013, and you know they could be heroes or zero, a lot of heroes and zeros there, depending on how that proceeds. Um, and so, do you have? Do you want to start off with our first hero or zero?
7: Yeah, let's continue with big data. I had them in my hero column, but I think they could be a zero on the privacy side. And I know Dan will have a lot to say about that. Um, you know, big data is either going to be uh, the savior or the downfall of us all. But I really see no turning back. It's it's everybody is already. I mean, big data was really big behind Obama's campaign and um, they mastered that. Um, I would have to say I read an article about the guy that headed their big data campaign. It was just amazing the analysis that they drove during um the polling, um, right up to the last minute and how that got people to the voting booth. Um, it's it's really was a major factor I think in and putting Obama ahead um during the campaign season. So, um, love it or like it or or hate it or lukewarm about it, uh, big data is here. It's here to stay.
2: And it is a hero for 2012 from Brenda. Um, Dan, how about, would you have a zero to start off with as well?
6: I'll just add big data to my zero list just before to be fun. Um, yeah, I actually read the same article Brenda did. Uh, the New York Times wrote this great piece about the Obama campaign and how they mastered big data uh, shortly after the uh, the election. But the thing about that particular data set is it's ongoing. Uh, the election is over, but the data persists, and it will continue to be used. In some ways, it will be used for positive things like pushing the agenda forward. Uh, and you know it could be used for not so positive things either. But so big data for me is on the zero side of the spectrum.
2: So I mean to to paraphrase uh, young Frankenstein, your you know your view of big data and the problem with it is it's alive.
6: It's alive. Yes. Very large zipper also. <laughs>
2: yes. <laughs> now um I, I guess one of my big heroes uh I would start off with um, although I may I may also put them in the zero column, but it would be in California here, the state attorney general has been very aggressive on privacy, and she has advanced an agenda where she's, she's created a privacy enforcement unit. She's got um, a lot of the mobile app developers to agree to include privacy in their um, privacy policies, I mean excuse me, in the apps, make sure they have a, a link to a privacy policy. And and just last week, she filed a lawsuit against um Delta Airlines for failing to do so and here's the, the thing on the California law you're only liable um, if you don't correct the violation within 30 days and so how do you mess that up and so I think Delta would be a zero as well and and so but you know, she's definitely making a mark and um, make, making clear that mobile privacy is not something that's going to be an afterthought Any any thoughts on that guys?
6: Uh, yeah, I think it's great you guys in California are leading the way uh, on privacy, uh, and but I'm shocked that you haven't legalized marijuana yet.
7: <laughs> I think they're tied, you know. I mean, because if you're, if you're smoking a bong, you know, you're forgetting about your privacy, so maybe it's a good thing.
6: <laughs> That's what happened with Delta. They got stoned. They forgot they stoned. <laughs> to
7: fix it.
2: <laughs> Dude. Well, I mean, you know, for us the, in California, the, you guys just have it wrong. The big drug is not marijuana, <laughs> it's Botox. <laughs>
7: <laughs> yeah, I, I I actually think social is the big drug, you know. Um, gosh, who doesn't have their nose in Facebook 24-7 and a mobile? And I just remember 10 years ago, mobile, I started at NEC back in 92 and I was one of the first to have a cell phone other than the drug dealers and the doctor's. And I just think that the whole mobile landscape is is really just, I mean, with the Square and you know point of sale at stores, and um, there's this huge vulnerable vulnerabilities there, and also with big data, um, you know, and enterprises are right now struggling with bring your own device. Uh, it, it's it's turning out to be a real CF, if you don't mind my French.
2: Um, cause, um. <laughs>
7: <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, there's a lot of there's a lot of hero and zero in everything we're talking about because I think you know it, it's you know it's kind of like an assault weapon, right? It can be used for good or bad, but mostly for bad. Yeah. And I think Europe is really leading the way with the privacy issues and embracing that. And I think you're right about California leading the leading the pack here in the states and i
2: think it's a good thing you know in the in the 90s that uh, you, you, if you knew you were at like a really hollywood hipster restaurant um when a bunch of people got up and went to the bathroom together and and, then, and it wasn't always one sex and then, and then and then they would come out and they all be like rubbing their noses and um you know kind of putting drops in their eyes and so, okay, we, we got a sense of what's going on. But now what they all do is they all check in on Facebook <laughs> and, um, you know, all the other social networks. And that's what they're doing together instead of Coke.
6: <laughs> wow. That's so depressing.
2: <laughs>
6: okay, I have, a, I have a question for both of you.
2: Sure. And I'm going
6: to start with Brenda because I think I know the answer. How many Facebook accounts do you have, Brenda?
7: Um, I plead the fifth.
6: Yeah, I know you have at least four. Well, and they're right. all maxed out with 5,000 friends. Yeah. I bet there's even more than that. I'm
7: not right. And I'm thinking about that. I mean, look at Mark Cuban and how he threw up his hands at Facebook, you know, and how they're limiting. You know, they put a restriction on too many things and businesses starting, starting to use Facebook or trying to use Facebook. And they're, they're super limited. In fact, I have Facebook in my zero column
1: because
7: yeah. I think that was the worst IPO in history. Yeah. And, yeah. It's Absolutely. all bad, you know, um, and, and not... Not to mention, Cheryl just sold off, what was it, 25,000 shares or something like that?
2: There's a vote of confidence.
7: Yeah. You know, I mean, maybe she's trying to uh, beat the tax ping that she'll get, but yeah. just Botox. It's at, Botox. It's all Botox. Right? <laughs> and,
6: That's what it is.
7: And being the only woman here on the, on the panel, I'd like to talk about my hero on zero in terms of um, female tech CEOs. Um, I think Marissa Mayer is a real hero. I mean... Anyone who'd take on Yahoo has got to be a hero. Um. <laughs>
6: <laughs> or crazy. Yes.
7: <laughs> right? Yeah. I think she's doing a good job on the zero side, Meg Whitman. I mean, uh, um, yeah, for yeah. HP, right? I'll let Dan step in.
6: Oh, no, I, I actually stopped following HP some time ago. Uh, they got boring once they stopped, like, bugging reporters and employees and having sex scandals. <laughs> so I quit writing about it.
7: Like McAfee. I hate when they do that. I, McAfee is setting the bar right right now for technology personalities. Um, you
6: mean John McAfee, not the company McAfee? Yeah,
7: John McAfee. I think that they should do like a survival thing on Belize with him and Charlie Sheen. I think that. <laughs> you know, maybe, you know, maybe throw in Gary Busey. I'd watch it. Right,
6: and uh, Bear Grylls
7: be perfect.
2: Yeah, I gotta notice. I gotta notice on McAfee. You know, there's time for renew my subscription, except I said ten payments to Guatemala.
6: <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It in, in baggies and small baggies.
7: Um, offshore to a whole new level, right? That that
2: that was beyond bizarre. I mean, I actually stayed near where he is, but um, that is definitely in the bizarro column of of life. I think, um, and I, I just don't know what to say about it. The guy's just uh, clearly having a meltdown or something.
6: Yep. all I want all I want to know is that who's making the movie and <laughs> yeah, it, it will be made
7: play him right Charlie Sheen should play him maybe you know I was thinking Johnny Depp but you
6: know Sheen might work
7: actually, I, can, I see the whole pirate thing yeah definitely
6: mm, yeah, right. yeah definitely so so Bennett I was going to ask you I'll ask sure. you the same question I asked Brenda rudely a few minutes ago which is how many Facebook accounts do you have
2: Um, I believe not in, you're not talking pages you're actually talking accounts Right, yeah. I believe I things. have um, two or three. Right, I but, have at least four or five. But one's really just wow. ingest. I have like maybe ten followers or something, right. and uh, it's for um, Saint Isidore of Seville, the patron saint of the internet. <laughs> That's cute. So, <laughs> so my and one my, of my dog.
6: <laughs> so my point with this is, you know, Facebook claims to have a billion users. Right. Oh, we, how many
2: of them are? Yes. How many of them
6: are real? You know. Yeah. Uh, you know, that's, why, that's one of the reasons why they're in my zero column uh, is because they this year it sort of came out that they have such an enormous fakes problem.
2: But what about Twitter? I mean, isn't that the same thing?
6: Well, Twitter has a lot of fakes. It's true. Uh, but Twitter doesn't care how many accounts you have. In fact, they're very open about you can have as many as you want. You can have pseudonyms. That's part of the appeal of the service. Facebook is very particular about real name, one person per account.
2: I mean, I kind of got suspicious when George Harrison friended me after he died. But um.
6: <laughs> again, I think we go back to marijuana legalization on that one.
2: <laughs> no, I just it just affirmed my belief in an afterlife. Ah, there you go.
7: Uh, speaking of Facebook, one of the interesting things is someone friended me on Facebook, and his name is Jim Breyer with a Partners. And I looked into him, and he sits on the board of Walmart. News Corp and Facebook, which I think is probably an unholy trifecta. <laughs> uh, and I, I, love to mean, see, yeah. I love to see people bashing Walmart, and then they don't know that the same guy sits on the board of Facebook, or he used to. So, yeah, it's pretty interesting how all of this is converging, and it's and it's pretty much hush hush, right? All of a, and then all of a sudden on Facebook, so you can you can give gifts to people now and pay for stuff. So I'm, I'm fully expecting a lot of monies to be funneled to Walmart.
2: Or, or or, I thought you, that was your solicitation. Oh yeah, exactly. One of your many accounts. (laughs) And, and, and and Brenda (laughs) for her gift suggestions, you could go (laughs) to. All
7: right. Exactly.
6: Exactly.
2: All right. Um, I'd like to just throw out a couple of heroes. Um, and some who've been on the show in particular, um, who I think were worth noting. And, um, Let's start just going kind of chronologically because there's a couple I'd like to point out. Well, first of all, we I always like to um, give a shout-out for Jane Hitchcock. She's you know, been on our show a few times, one of our first guests, and um, she's done Legion work in the field of cyber harassment um, and, and fighting that. And she has haltonlineabuse.org. I encourage you all to go there. Um, you know, Mike Mesnick was on, and he, you know, he's with Tector, and he did a great job on battling the um, the – the RIA at um, a, um, a, S- a Silicon Valley tech policy summit. And um, he, it, it was just a, a real nasty debate where the RIA was just going at him and making personal attacks, and he was just making the policy argument. And I thought he did a great job at it, um, and he, we had him on earlier. Um, but someone who I think really deserves a shout-out is um, Watson Meng, who's been on the show, and we actually um, – on one of our more recent segments, we had a um, – his lawyer on, mark Rondaza, who's been working with the, um, the um, leading the blog um Bolson, uh, which is the, one of the leading blogs in China on, on politics and has broken a lot of major stories and he um and he does it all from you know hmm your area, Dan. He's he's right by Duke. And really? the fact that wow. you know, that is the epicenter of the Chinese political blogosphere is just amazing. And you know he's been, been very courageous in, in standing up to the Chinese government. And it just makes you wonder what would have happened to the tank man if, if he lived in the age of blogs
6: That's great. Yeah I hadn't heard of um, of him but I will have to look him up.
2: It's it's an incredible story. They actually tried to shut down. um, They went to his hosts and told them, "If you don't shut them down, we're gonna have you're gonna get a massive attack." And he actually taken offline for a couple a couple of days and had to find some other home that would be more secure and less likely to be threatened by the Chinese. And um, but he through his network, um, he has broken a number of stories. And you know, one of the, the Chinese government—I call him China's frenemy number one—because um, you know the Chinese government, on one hand, is trying to actively block or take down his entire network, and and I think mm-hmm. to a certain extent, this um, libel suit by um, Zhang um, or Zhang Z on the the whole prostitution allegation. That's been made is, um, it's really of, you know, I think the Chinese, my opinion is the Chinese government, um, is at least encouraging that, if not even openly funding it, um, to try to, um, punish him, um, for his, his role in being a, kind of a exp- explosion, corruption, and, um, the Chinese government. And, um, so I, I think he, he definitely is a hero. He's done a great job. Um, and and just from doing it what he what he is, but the biggest mistake the Chinese made was that the government admitted to Wall Street Journal that anyone who's anyone in the Chinese government reads his blog. <laughs> That's funny. So um, let me see if we have any other people that really stand out um, that, that had some major achievements this year. Um, we've had a number of great guests, um, of course, throughout the year. And for example, we had Doug Gansler, the attorney general Maryland, who recently got, um, became um, head of the National Association of Attorney Generals, and I also really want to thank, um, give a shout out to um, Tom McMillan, um, the former U.S. Olympian basketball player and congressman, <laughs> who came on the show to talk about the Olympics. And, uh, and <laughs> which is there was an interesting moment when he said, I, he said it was a very depressing experience. And then you know people keep asking me about it, so. It keep- <laughs> <laughs> as he 's saying on an interview where i 'm asking him about what he just confessed was a very confessing experience <laughs> <laughs> that was the loss
6: in seventy two right to the Russians
2: well also in, in the Munich massacre too I mean we was right, right. right. But, um in terms of zeros i one of the most peculiar things I saw on the internet this year was the whole battle between oatmeal and funny junk yes and, um, for those who weren 't familiar um, basically uh old, funny junks lawyer um a guy named carry on um sent a, a letter to um Oatmail's, uh, owner and was threatening him a lot with litigation and if they didn't pay twenty thousand dollars by a certain date and um rule number one in law don't take on cartoonists they can do far more damage than you can <laughs> um, you know you may think you're a cyber you're a great lawyer trust me don't take on a cartoonist and um And so um, the oatmeal came back. With you know, Inman came back, and he does his drawing, and says, "Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to go on um, on one of the um, crowdfunding places. I'm going to raise twenty thousand dollars, and I'm going to give it to a charity. And um, and then um, I'm I'm going to um, send a photograph to you of the twenty thousand dollars." And along with a drawing of a Kodiak bear. Um, I don't know the significance of the, the particular breed, but <laughs> a drawing of a Kodiak bear defiling your mother. Um, okay, if that was a sign to stop, um, I don't know what is, but he proceeded, and we will talk about this after these messages.
3: Stay tuned for more of the Cyber Law and Business Report after this brief recess for our sponsors.
6: Hi, I'm Brett Geddes. I'm the only leader officially supported by Google to teach the advanced track of the AdWords Seminars for Success. I personally recommend CertifiedKnowledge.org as your one-stop shop for all your PPC needs.
0: Learn, optimize, connect. Be smart. Go to CertifiedKnowledge.org
3: now. Rise links and web indexes. Take a bow to the largest link map in the world. Maximize ROI to use your time and let Majestic wield its mighty sword. MajesticSEO.com. It's good to be king.
1: Hi, this is Jillian Music, your CEO coach at WebmasterRadio.fm, wishing you a wonderful holiday season 2012 and an extraordinary new year in 2013.
0: From all of us to all of you, WebmasterRadio.fm wishing you happy holidays and a prosperous new year.
3: The best gavel-to-gavel legal news and information on the net is right here. This is the Cyber Law and Business Report, only on
2: webmasterradio.fm. And we're back. You're listening. Ben and Kelly, and we're doing our annual Heroes and Zeros, and if, even if we haven't done it before, it's still going to be our annual Heroes and Zeros, and <laughs> uh, we have with us um, the ever-entertaining Dan Tynan and Brenda Christensen, and we were just talking about the um, the Funny Junk um, oatmeal litigation and um, how just amazing it was that um, Funny Junk went ahead and they um, sued the oatmeal and then ended up becoming ridiculed by the entire internet. Uh, I've never seen a more uh, amazing internet bitch slapping than that. Um, Dan, any thoughts?
6: Yeah, uh, I, I really uh, was wondering if Charles is it carry on or carry on?
2: Right. Um, either way, it, you know, <laughs> yeah. I think the, like the first one is, the, is, an, is a, a hint.
6: <laughs> yes, exactly. Uh, he just keeps going. I mean, he's still going, he's still making, you know pursuing sites that made satirical uh, you know, uh, pictures of him, and he's still leaving open the possibility for litigation, it makes you wonder if the man is possibly off of his meds.
2: Yes. I mean, you know? uh, not to suggest that he's on meds, but you know, one, that question is not um, unreasonable for one to, in- <laughs> to make uh, in their so- own opinion.
6: The weird thing is, you know, you probably know this. He has a history, uh, you know, sort of that goes back. He was the lawyer that represented sex.com in the 90s when sex.com got its domain hijacked by a porn site and won it back for them uh, like six years later. So he has this sort of he has this reputation as someone who might actually be a little savvy about the Internet, but apparently not.
2: Well, I think this is different. I mean, he may clearly is savvy about the Internet. He may not be savvy about PR, and I think mean, <laughs> speaks of that.
6: And and then he recorded this thing uh, on his own website about Inman and Psycho Santa. He recorded a song called Psycho Santa, which goes on at great length uh, and is not safe for work, um, about his battles with Inman. And it really, you just to go, okay. <laughs> Take all the sharp implements away now.
2: <laughs> well, I remember as a kid my mom used to sing that song to me. But <laughs> <laughs> that explains so much. <laughs> Brenda, I don't know if you followed that, that dispute or, or cluster. Uh,
7: <laughs> I did. And you know, speaking of bad PR, it just my head just spins at the lack of spin some company like Instagram how hugely popular they are. To change their service agreement and the PR team not, uh, you know, not, not kind of do a little, you know, heads up on crisis management. That, that was crazy. I mean, just when you think the year is over for zeros, you know, enter Instagram, who does a big zero, you know, right at the last minute, right before we're all doomed to die on Friday, you know, <laughs> on the mind day.
2: Now, um, you know, I, as someone who writes these, these beasts, um, we are not the um, we're not novelists. We're not the great screenwriters. You know, our goal is not to be read. <laughs>
7: exactly.
2: Our goal at least to be read, but not never be talked about. And if, if your terms and conditions are being talked about, something has happened, and it and it's not good. Right.
6: So I have a question for you, Bennett. Since you're you admitted to being a lawyer in public, um, <laughs> you, so people write these terms. They are impenetrable. Uh, and and if they're Facebook, they go on for 5,400 words of in penetration. Uh, what is to stop sites, services, from offering a really short, concise, easy-to-understand summary that essentially says what the legal terms say, but in a way that normal humans can understand?
2: Well, I, I think that there are two. There's, uh, there's a conflict. Um, one is that there are a bunch of things that you need to address um, that define the relationship. And so that, you know, some of the things, and, and I think it's one of those, um, like, almost like human DNA. There's only so much percent that separates us um, and all the rest is the same. And that's true. If you look at a lot of the sites, as a certain core element. I mean, not everyone has, you know, things like mine where you have to hold it up to a mirror to read it backwards. But um, the, <laughs> that's a joke. But, um, and so, but I think what you see, and particularly on the privacy side, is you see an effort to, bridge that conflict by creating an, an initial layer say okay here's the summary layer um, right. you know, this will give you a, a, a fair understanding of what the whole document says but we encourage you to read the whole document because that's responsible but you know there have been studies that show if you did that, you, that would take you know, every privacy policy um, would take you 25 days out of the year to do so um, so but what we're also seeing there are people like you Dan um, and um, But no, in a good way, um, we actually, you know, we've had um, a guest um, on recently on this. Are, um, the media is covering um, terms and conditions now. You know, there's uh, one website that was just completely devoted to terms and conditions. And, uh, and then another one, um, you know, there's um, some trade press that follows terms and conditions and talks about ones that are particularly bad. Yep. And so, you know, that puts pressure on people like me you know to you know stop using pig latin and and to um be be more clear in our language and and think about you know are we overreaching
7: I think that that was a PR fail though because i mean my position as a public relations professional is whatever the company's doing no matter what department it's my job to translate that for people like dan you know and to position it and and that's what i just has me completely fibergasted that none of this was even anticipated by the PR team there um, and, and that it's turned out to be such a debacle. I, I just don't know if they can recover. I think Dan would have a better re- perspective on that. Well,
6: first question is, do they have a PR team? Because it doesn't look like they do. Wow. Uh, and it's not uncommon. Uh, it's kind of weird. The, the Facebook generation of companies, and Google falls <laughs> into this as well, and Twitter is, they do PR in an entirely different way than people like Brenda do PR. Uh, and they work with journalists in an entirely different way, and it drives me up the friggin wall yeah because they're impenetrable, yeah, and you know so and then they never want to talk on the record if they even talk to you, they don't talk on the record and you can't quote them by name and blah 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 and it's like you should go and give them classes, Brenda. <laughs> You should teach them what I, they should I be think,
7: doing. Yeah. Well, thank you for the pseudo, you know, but would they listen? I mean, um, I, think this no. this <laughs> is, I think this is going to happen. I think this is going to make them listen, right? I mean, you don't have a PR program in place, then you by de facto have a crisis communication program in place, which is happening right now.
2: Yeah, That's true. Exactly. One, you know, if you definitely want to have experience in crisis management, um, the way to do it is not to plan for crisis management. <laughs>
7: Exactly. Yeah. So, um, so they're definitely on my zero list.
2: But um, I mean, are they really? I mean, this is new media, and new media age is about engagement. And how how can companies that are the the epicenter of that be so oblivious?
7: Yeah, it, it is ironic, and you know, it's it's like they say, you know, the dentist kids that don't brush their teeth and. Uh, You know, that they couldn't possibly think that people wouldn't be, like you said, Bennett, you know, tracking on this. And and all the celebrities that have been tweeting about, well, there goes my Instagram account. I'm going to be closing it down. Uh, I mean, it's just almost impossible to recover from that type of brand damage.
2: Right, because even, let's assume they're wrong. Let's assume that the the, um, terms don't say that. I, I haven't had a chance to read I said one reporter asked me to look at it, and, but I haven't had a chance yet. Um, even, even if it's wrong, that word's out there.
7: Yeah, I mean, just what happened, same that happened with uh, GoDaddy this year, you know, and they sent a letter around, oh, no, no, really, really don't, you know, uh, we're really sorry about everything. And, uh, you know, I mean, in this age, especially where the customer is driving so much more, uh, I think it's even more important to be proactive.
2: And um, when you talk about GoDaddy, you're you're referring to um, their initial support for SOPA and that they're backtracking.
6: Yeah. Um, Yeah. Lamar Smith is also on his hero list, by the way. I think so.
2: It seems like every bill that um, was the internet opposed had Lamar Smith's name on it this year. Pretty much, yes. Which, on the flip side of that, on the hero side, I put Ron Wyden. Oh, yeah. He was one of the more vigorous uh, uh, opponents of SOPA. Um, he 's an opponent of acta and and he 's now an a opponent of the pacific trade agreement and um, you know he 's been out front very vocal and what's going to be interesting is if the Senate does reform um, the filibuster process you know he 's used that process to block some of these bills right he may not be able to and the irony is, is, is that this great um, paragon. Leader and uh, voice in the tech community started his career when he very young, ironically also um, working for the Grey Panthers. Wow! <laughs> Clearly, a direct line to tech. Is, it, it was foreseeable,
7: <laughs> as opposed to the Grey Cougars. <laughs>
6: Oh, there's so many jokes one could make, but I will skip them
7: <laughs> for now. <laughs> for Darn, Dan didn't go into my trap.
2: Our, our, our late night cyber law and business report edition will feature. Yes, exactly.
7: Right. So, um, also, too, you know, I, I think the whole Mayan thing is a total zero. Um, I've actually been to their high priest site um, by hacker's I was down in Cancun. And I got in a cab, and I said, take me someplace interesting. I can't take the Americans anymore. And he dropped me off at this archaeological dig, which was their high priest um, site, where they calculated all of this. And I personally think they just ran out of rock. But <laughs> And also,
2: I mean, if I recall, the, the Mayans were a failed society. Um, yeah. So um, we're going to judge the calculation. <laughs> right. Of the, you know, the duration of the world based on a society that didn't even live to make that calculation.
7: Yeah, that's like, you know, Bill Gates coming out with a smartphone, I mean. (laughs) I'm thinking he's going to take over Apple.
2: Well, well, one never knows. But, um, you know, I do think that the whole Mayan thing is kind of odd. And uh, I think people love doomsday scenarios anyway. And so this is, all you have to do is say one. I think, Dan, if you, create, if you said, picked a date and said that will happen in 2013, I bet you within a week there would be a buzz about that.
6: Uh, that's it. That's what I'm going to do now. Thank right. you for that suggestion. Exactly. You know, hey,
2: and see, and but, see the reaction.
6: See, the Mayan apocalypse for me was just an excellent excuse to go off my diet. So, and, and I have like another two or three days.
7: <laughs> you have some guy in Hong Kong that gave away all his earthly belongings and um, not for religious reasons but i guess age-old religious reasons for them regarding the mayan prophecy and they have literally shut down some mountain i can't remember where because they're afraid people are going to be jumping off of it committing suicide on friday wow yeah it's it's gotten pretty intense this whole mayan thing and you know, we just had uh, what was it a year ago? Everybody was all the Christians believed that they were going to be sent up all at once. Right, there were, there were two different dates—the rapture. Yeah, the rapture. Yeah. yeah. I mean, camping. I don't know about you, but boy, I can't take the stress.
2: <laughs> the um and you know I, I thought it was irresponsible, Blondie, to do that, but um, <laughs> any event. Um, so what is your if you want. A hero for two thousand thirteen who do you, who do we need in two thousand and thirteen what where is there some place that desperately needs a hero
6: hmm. good question um well for me, I would love to see someone take the step forward and do something about privacy and personal rights in 2013 I would love for someone to say okay here's what every you know american has an inalienable right to and that is control over the data that is increasingly ruling our lives
2: i just see that uh, that debate is just it's so difficult cuz there's so many people involved yes and, and i think it, and we're seeing right now the fcc just sent out a new um notices to a whole bunch of big data it, it has become this onion you know, this Russian doll that you know, basically the FTC and the government has to go around this process where they get to understand the issue and then they think they understand it and they realize holy you know, there's a whole nother level and so then right. they have to go deeper and deeper in the meantime the, so the, the issue is getting more complex and there are more people at the table now because it's more complex and yet you know, each step of the way then the resolution of the issue just seems farther away
6: well, I think that we need a baseline that says my data is my data, your data is your data, and that you know we have ultimate control over it without having to necessarily figure out the mechanisms of how we exercise that control. Uh, I think the Obama administration last year, Consumer Bill of Rights, went part of the way there. So I think we have to establish that first before anything else can happen. Interesting.
2: Um, now, the uh, um – The person – one of the person responsible for that Bill of Rights was um, Cameron Carey, the general counsel at the Department of Commerce, and um, his brother is the likely nominee for secretary of state. And there is an opening at um, the Department of Commerce for um, secretary. I don't know. Are you applying? I don't know. I'm actually – sure. (laughs) Right right now, I'm applying – Obama, please give me the job no um but i want i don't know if cameron Kerry is in the running or not but it'd be interesting because you have two brothers in the cabinet which i don't know if that's ever happened
6: wow they were the kennedys i suppose but one was president so. yeah
2: that yeah he had <laughs> and uh, <laughs> he wasn't the worker he was a boss he was the <laughs> boss man and uh so brenda what about you who, who is the hero for 2013 we need
7: um you know i think uh, uh well definitely i agree with with Dan on the privacy rights, but I think this is a larger part of human rights, right? And I I think it needs to be a worldwide initiative. I think it's going to come down to the UN. I mean, China, uh, we're talking about China, and, you know, they they are infiltrating our corporations. They're stealing um, all kinds of... It's a real problem. They're stealing lots of patents, all kinds of things. And I think it really... It's, it's a symptom of a larger problem, which is human rights worldwide. Um, and, and it seems to me, I mean, I know this is internet law and, you know, um, but the real reason why I think we get up every morning is because at our core, you, me and Dan, we really think about human rights and we hope that the internet serves that well. And I, I think that the hero needs to be Congress, the tech community and the UN working together. On all of
2: these issues, and I think that 's a great point to end on, and we only have a few seconds left, but it you know it is a major issue and last year um, two thousand and twelve, we had a number of bloggers killed because yep. of their activities and uh, so you know the internet is a great source of freedom, and it 's a great threat for those who oppose freedom and so let 's as we end the year, we want to thank all of you for listening this year. Um, and let's be proud of everything the internet has done for, for freedom and let's hope we can continue doing that safely in 2013. Happy New Year everyone and, and uh, if we all die um, <laughs> the weekend um, bummer but if not hopefully you'll all join us next year on Cyber Law and Business Report uh, Webmaster Radio with these great guests Brenda Christensen and Dan Tynan who I'm sure will be back and um, it'll be a bummer if we're all dead but have a yeah, happy New time. Year and uh, have a, a very safe and um, fun cyber holiday thanks Bennett you too
1: thank you